Hello and welcome to Personal Threads. A podcast where we go behind the seams of the joy of dressing up. Brought to you by Ascot Racecourse, where we uncover how moments and memories from our past can inform our personal style. Each week, a new guest renowned for their chic and unique dress sense will take us on a voyage through their life and personal style, stopping at moments, memories, items or people who have influenced and sewn together our guests' very individual taste. Whether you're donning your finest for Royal Ascot or wrapping up in tweed for the jump season, sartorial elegance and style is in the very fabric of Ascot Racecourse. Allow us to introduce ourselves. I'm Susan Bender-Whitfield, a creative director, stylist and contributing editor to British Vogue. Hello, I am Scott Wimsett, a fashion industry commentator and consultant. My career in digital and broadcast has spanned almost 20 years from presenting for MTV and Vogue TV as a presenter and director. Caroline Rush, CBE, is the Chief Executive of the British Fashion Council. Since her appointment as Chief Executive in April 2009, she has focused on strengthening the British Fashion Council's network and platforms to connect businesses with global audiences, both trade and consumer. During this time, London Fashion Week has become a globally recognised platform for creativity and fashion talent. London Fashion Week Men's was launched in 2012, and more recently, the four fashion weeks in London have become gender-neutral, with a pivot to digital for June 2020. The Fashion Awards has become the Global Awards for the fashion industry and has raised millions for the British Fashion Council's foundation. Recently, the British Fashion Council launched the Institute of Positive Fashion as an engine room for change, galvanising the industry to address how it can more positively impact environment, people and community. Hello, Caroline, how are you? Hi, Caroline. Hi, guys. How are you doing? <laughs> very good, very Welcome. good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Personal Threads. It's a joy to have you here. Of course. Looking forward to hearing uh, all about Personal Threads and hopefully sharing some of my stories. <laughs> We're very much looking forward to your stories. And thank you again. So they say you are what you wear. Caroline, what would you say your style says about you? I'm just a real lover of design. And I've got quite an eclectic wardrobe. I'd say that my go-to is probably a really great pair of jeans or black trouser with a brilliant white T-shirt or a black body or something like that. So those are my off-duty clothes. When we have lots of events to go to and you have an opportunity Mm -hmm. to properly dress up and and be a bit more flamboyant with colour, with shape with length, with heels, with accessories. And it really plays into that sense of confidence and the mood you want to create at an event and the person you want to put forward. And yeah, exactly. The character playing within fashion is so much fun. Well, you're actually like a stylist in a way because you said it's very eclectic and you have to dress up for different occasions and different events and represent different designers. So it's like you have a chocolate box full of designers to choose from. You're very lucky. There's some speed dial going on there. There's definitely a bit of speed <laughs> dial sometimes. Because, yeah, I adore my own wardrobe, but obviously is that I also like to try and support designers that maybe aren't in my wardrobe, that I haven't bought yet, or that I've just seen because they've just sort of coming onto the scene. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I, yes often will call in something for a particular event and enjoy wearing it and then normally become the biggest fan and they are normally then another part of my wardrobe. (laughs) I'd like to have a look in your wardrobe. It sounds gigantic. (laughs) So listen, so in regards to finding words that describe and define your style, if you had to go three, Caroline Rush, what would they be? 
I would say that pretty classic Mm -hmm. with a sense of fun. So I love having a big piece of jewellery or Mm. playing with, like having a really great pair of jeans and just a fantastic shirt or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So High um, and low in that way. Exactly. Listen, I was a teenager in the 80s, so I did a lot of experimentation then. And I think since then, I've probably paired it back a bit. But actually, you kind of go through cycles. You pair it back, you conform a bit, you're in the workplace and you're trying to fit in. And then when you get into your stride and you build your career, you get to have more fun again because you no longer feel that you have to conform. And so your confidence grows, I guess, in regards to breaking the rules a bit and knowing what works for you. It's no one what works for you it's also knowing that you're not there to please anyone else you're there to please yourself Mm, I like that yes (laughs) I like that so you said you're a child of the 80s but if you had one childhood memory that you could think about that was really that defined my style or that's when I recognized a style that I wanted to emulate Mm. what would that be So again, being a bit of a chameleon, I think there were lots of different styles that I tried to emulate. When I look back at a picture of teenage years, there's probably a mixture of Bananarama. Classic, brilliant. (laughs) Bit of denim. The bangles. So, you know, kind of a good rah-rah. And then you go from that into the likes of salt and pepper and yes. that whole kind of sportswear movement coming into fashion and you're wearing actually what everybody's wearing now is the, it's the like recycling shorts and sweatshirts yeah. and a bit of red or dead and john richmond and all of that if you look at any images and pics is there any that really stand out that you go actually i looked cracking then from an 80s girl perspective so the hair was scrunched and hairsprayed beyond belief so it was big big <laughs> big hair thank you element Thank you so much. Again, I think is that denim played a big part. So it was the denim. Mm. It was a great T-shirt. And I managed to pick up at Affleck's Palace in Manchester this epic Vivian Westwood cardigan, which actually wasn't a cardigan. It was like all bits of knitwear sewn together. So it did mm. no good in keeping you warm, but looked epic. Oh, my God, I loved it so much. It was my favorite. It was huge. Do you still have it? Do I you still don't. Have I'm absolutely gutted. I didn't keep it. There were a couple of things actually from the 90s that I've still got in my wardrobes. Like what? So I have a junior Gaultier dress. Can you remember the Madonna video? Yes. And kind the of, you know, conical ones. I don't yes. have the conical one, but it was kind of like the okay. little one yeah. fitted. Yeah. I still got that. Really? Yeah, and yeah. every time I move, I get it out and try it on. <laughs> it still fits. I love that. Brilliant. It looks very that different on me now Ki- than it did back then. Kitchen disco at yours. <laughs> that sounds fun. Are there any key family members that you were like, they're really stylish It's people. my mum, actually. So my mum is an incredible seamstress. She taught us all how to make our own clothes. But she was just a real lover of fashion. And I remember growing up like six or seven and she'd be hosting dinner parties. So there'd be these gorgeous smells and then she'd go upstairs and get changed and she'd come down in these amazing floral dresses and just float around, entertain Mm. everybody, you know, have loads of fun. Social butterfly queen. Social butterfly. But she also, her style kept evolving. I remember, you know, when you first went to the pub when you shouldn't, when you were probably like 16, 17. We would wait until my mum went out and go and raid her wardrobe so she had (laughs) so we used to wear my mum's clothes to the pub at age 17 it was hilarious you'd wear them out yeah (laughs) oh my god how brilliant so did you have like an idol or a muse growing up like who was your biggest style icon then and now actually God, difficult to say. I mean, I think there are so many influences, aren't there? I think when I think about classic style, and I know 
that probably a million women say this, but Audrey Hepburn, you know, mm. when you think about sitting down with my mum, watching Breakfast at Tiffany's, that incredible style and and also the attitude and everything else that went with it, just loved it. Mm. So it was kind of anarchy yes. in a gorgeous little black dress. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. So I think there will always be a little bit of Audrey Hepburn. But again, from the music influences, there was yes. Madonna, there was Nana Cherry, you know, yeah, all of these like awesome women that just mm. rocked style in a really amazing way that yeah. just made you go back and go, okay, how do I try and translate what's in my wardrobe into that? Yeah. Well, their style was very groundbreaking as well. You know, like Nina Cherry worked with Judy Blame and he yeah. was seminal in that movement of the Buffalo Girls, the Buffalo Stance. And even Madonna, during her time, she changed our view of fashion because as soon as her first album came out, everyone's like, I need to wear that skirt, I need to wear that dress and lots of jewellery. It was just incredible how defining they were for staff. Yeah, incredible style icons. And you also forget that that was kind of the era when the music video came into its own as yes, well. Yes. You know, I mean, anyone listening to this that is quite a bit younger than me will be like, don't stop it. It's been around forever. It's when MTV started. It was MTV <laughs> started. And those videos you would watch time and time and time mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. you know, because if you love that visual representation of a song, you just mm-hmm. poured over mm-hmm. every detail, didn't you? But they all go together, don't they? Growing up, expressing yourself in fashion, what music act that you were completely Absolutely. plugged into. It's yeah. just all part of that same marriage. You have an incredibly close relationship with your wonderful daughter do you guys share clothes is there a mum daughter hand me down is she coveting certain pieces with this impressive wardrobe going please let me wear that out on a Saturday night yes she likes to come and steal a few pieces uh, and I rarely get to see them back if you're (laughs) listening to this Lada Rush Um, but she's at the age where she's early 20 she's sort Mm. of playing with her own style and you can see her confidence growing in style and that's great and of course she's got very different influences because she's got different music influences and different cultural influences. She spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time in the States, Mm -hmm. as you know. Mm -hmm. So there's a big Mm -hmm. sportswear influence, I think, Mm -hmm. that comes through that Mm -hmm. as well. It's really interesting to see your kids grow up and their style develop. And And what the choices they make. And the choices they make. And actually, I remember when she was sort of an early teenager and she was wearing dresses that probably were a bit short, as we all have done. (laughs) Um, And you just kind of go, do you know what, is that this is just express yourself, figure it out. Was it sort of professional tennis? player she has amazing legs she does have good legs so she can wear a short skirt but do you ever see something that she's borrowed from you and think oh my god that looks really good I'm going to try wearing it that way (laughs) do you actually get influenced by your daughter when she's wearing your clothes yeah for sure but sadly I don't normally get them back to try that out I'm like god that that's a really good jacket and it looks great the way you're wearing it can I get it back and then generally not no (laughs) doesn't happen so if you had to choose one look that truly adds up what you love about the fashion industry what would it be is there a visual or a moment or something iconic in your journey in the fashion industry that really sums up all the best parts this sort of seminal key visual that you go actually that was the best of everything all together right there I don't think there is one which I know is a very lame answer for you and I think it's because I am continually inspired by the image makers in our industry so you open a magazine and I'm pouring over those images and just admiring the incredible lighting and the styling and the models and how their body moves and how great they make the clothes look. But I would say probably the most influential fashion photographer 
of the time for me was that as early Peter Lindbergh supermodel images. Yes. Incredible. And those images, you just were like, oh my God. Otherworldly. Yeah. Yeah, you but know. they were so cinematic in the way that he shot things. You felt like this is like a movie in an image. Absolutely. You know, the playing with black and white and mm-hmm. then the colour versions of those images. And of course, the supermodels, you know, let's not forget that. That was the era of when Who they Who was your favourite then? I mean, I was a Linda yeah. boy, so Linda were Evangelista you? every day of the week for me. So I have to say, is that oh my god it's really difficult isn't it different ones for different reasons so uh, mm. Christy Turlington I mean, yeah definitely mine I always wanted to try and look like and fail yeah, miserably you could, you could definitely yeah. do a, a Christy I tried very hard failed miserably yeah. Naomi you know was yes. just the queen of the catwalk wasn't she still is I don't know why I'm saying yeah. in past tense but yeah. actually you saw Naomi strut mm-hmm. down the catwalk mm-hmm. and you were like she is owning this mm-hmm. in a way that no one mm-hmm. has ever owned it oh she was like a panther every yeah. time in every show I've worked on I've seen you literally take a breath and you're like, wow. And people are just clapping and going crazy just I know. because of her walk. It really is, it's isn't it? And then the other one's probably Helena because those incredible eyes and the dark hair and just sort of a very unique look. Very unique, very unique. Yeah, no, Linda, I just thought she was such a chameleon when I was really young. And then later on through work, obviously started working with Kate quite a lot. And I think that that's mm. an interesting one to see super mm. close up just in the yeah. kind of speed at which she works but also just this chameleon and these different characters Mm. and just how many different interpretations you can identify around the Kate Moss Absolutely, I mean Kate looking at her at the Jubilee weekend rocking that amazing jacket thought you might have borrowed it yes. from your wardrobe actually um <laughs> actually that's i right remember that because that was on a british vogue cover yeah. years ago it was the best of british fashion with all different british fashion designers and she was wearing that and when i saw that image i was like oh my god she still got that so you have so many different events to go to personally and occasions and work what has been the hardest event or moment in your career to dress for when you're like, oh, my God. What I quite I like this question because I can imagine you going, no, this is just not working. Next one, next one. <laughs> so I do regularly have those wardrobe crises in the morning. So you go to bed thinking that's what I'm going to wear to that event tomorrow. And then you try it on in the morning. And for whatever reason, you're just, just not feeling yeah, it. Yeah. And and invariably you work your way through all of the other options and panic sets in because you've got a really big event to get to and you're not wearing what you want to wear. Okay, so the Queen Elizabeth Awards, which you met the Queen and you sat next to the Queen. Yeah. When you woke up, what did you think? I'm going to wear this or was it really pre-planned? I mean, what do you think of to wear when you're meeting the Queen? (laughs) So originally I did have a dress that I was going to wear, but it was quite Larry and I just thought... Those images are going to be there forever. Yeah. And not that I didn't love the dress I was going to wear, but I thought, A, I should just wear something that's really pared down Mm -hmm. because you can never upstage a queen anyway, can you? But I just thought it needs to kind of show a bit of decorum. So I called up Burberry and just said, could you just send me a really beautiful, simple dress, please, urgently? I'm slightly panicking on what I'm going to wear. And because there's a bit of height differential between myself and Her Majesty, I also then started to struggle. I was like, what shoes am I going to wear? Because, you know, is that pre-pandemic, less so, now I would love tottering around in a pair of heels yeah. walk for miles running them do whatever and I was like oh my god yes. I need flats I haven't got any flats what are we going to do um, this is the morning of this is the morning ah, of yeah love it now you work alongside some seriously stylish gals in I the do, industry yeah so do you feel that the power of fashion has been an intrinsic tool to your career in that way of being chief executive of the British Fashion Council you know it's a uniform in lots of ways when you walk into a room 
what you wear really does send a very clear mm. message. It's the first thing, isn't mm. it? Yeah. And then following up, hopefully, with some eye contact and firm handshakes <laughs> and all the rest of the stuff we're taught to do. So would you say that you've managed to dial up some key looks that really relied upon the power of fashion to be used within the career job role? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a full believer that what you wear helps set the tone for the meeting, the event, the conversation. As much as anything, it's about the mood it creates in yourself and the confidence that you then exude. But have you ever looked at images or had a moment where you've questioned what you've worn or your fashion choices or said to yourself, oh my God, that was a massive fashion faux pas. I don't know. I think when you look back at images, Mm. is that even sure that everyone's the same. You're the most critical of yourself in an mm-hmm, image beyond mm-hmm. anyone else, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm not sure there's any image I go, oh, you rocked that. <laughs> you. But I love looking back at old images because it just brings back all of those memories. Mm-hmm. And, you yes. know... It's the story of your life, isn't it? It is. I and mean, that's why I love Instagram in that way. You can look back through the years and just see all these like moments and the fashion choices that you... Because you're really only documenting the fun, gossy stuff a lot of the time. So. Exactly. Yeah. Not sat around in your pyjamas and in, in, in your tracksuit <laughs> bottoms. Yeah. <laughs> Watching morning TV. (laughs) So I feel when I see you in that way of uniform, albeit for work or fashion weeks or whatever, you do a lot of very good tailoring. It seems to really Mm. work for you. I think it's the height. I think it's just the way you wear it. Again, it's that role as chief executive. So talk to us a little bit about your love of tailoring and maybe some of the designers that work particularly for you. I mean, I love a suit's. And I don't mean Mm. a traditional suit. To be fair, I just mean trousers and jacket. Mm -hmm. A really great tailored black jacket, again, Mm -hmm. with a jean or a great black trouser. It's just such an easy thing to wear. Mm -hmm. And it is about the fit across the shoulders. I've got different jackets at different lengths that work with different trousers and different moods and different styles you're going for. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's an easy way to give yourself confidence that you're looking great. You've not really had to put too much effort in (laughs) because you've probably been doing a million things before. You've got a million things to do afterwards. So you put a great jacket on. Bit of a lip. A bit of a lip. And a heel. uh, A heel and a blow dry (laughs) normally. um, And off you go. Yeah. Good to go. (laughs) So that's probably why you see me in quite a bit of tailoring because it's a, a nice last minute throw on a really great jacket. But I also love address as you know because it's a really Mm. easy option to go okay transform this exactly i've got a quick change i don't have to worry about whether the top's working with the bottom Mm -hmm. it's going to come out Mm -hmm. whatever else Mm. is you just get a great dress preferably with a pocket oh we love pockets it's a no brain a pocket (laughs) good pair of earrings and Mm. again a lip and a good shoe and you're there love it i'll remember that (laughs) definitely (laughs) So what's the one piece in your wardrobe that you will never, ever throw out? So I think now it's probably this Junior Gaultier dress because I've had it for so long, but it's just never Mm. going anywhere. There are probably a few of the black jackets that I would be very, very upset to see go. But I probably wear them so often at some point they're going to have to be repaired beyond belief. But they are loved old friends. And then... I think it's probably just dresses that you've worn at occasions that you've just had lots of fun Mm. in. You know, like I've got a great Roxanne skirt that I wore at my birthday party last year that Mm. I just loved. And every time I look at it, it makes me smile. And every time I wear it is that we end up talking about daft things we did at the party. That's nice. They'd almost look triggers. Exactly. You're like, Here we are, that skirt again. Do you remember that time? I know. Are we we going to do that again tonight? (laughs) Um, Could be quite dangerous, that skirt. (laughs) Exactly. You see me coming in my Roxanne skirt, you'll be like, oh, God. Oh, here we go. (laughs) 
trouble. <laughs> we are in for trouble. Yeah, it's things like that you keep for sentimental mm-hmm. reasons, but also just mm. because they make you feel really good. Mm-hmm. I love that. Definitely. Now, obviously, we've all known each other for a long time and worked together for many years. And I think for me, I kind of remember that time during Fashion Weeks and sometimes doing New York, London, Milan, Paris, etc. And working with different samples that you've been sent by designers, <laughs> very kindly getting you to wear bits and bobs. And then I get out of the end of Fashion Month and I want to wear everything in my wardrobe that's really non-fashionable. And I mean that by like, you know, the hand-knitted jumper from your granny that you just kept <laughs> right at the back. What happens to Caroline Rush? Because I'm obviously you're still busy after Fashion Week, but is there a complete dress-down wardrobe that you don't even think about, that you're just throwing yourself in going, actually, I kind of need a little bit of time away from what I'm thinking about what I'm wearing? Yeah, it's probably the jeans and T-shirt. Jeans and T-shirt or jeans and a great white shirt because even if you're sat in the office and you don't think you're seeing anyone and you're having a day of catching up on admin and internal meetings and then the phone goes and say, actually, so-and-so is going to come and see you in half an hour. You're like, thank ah. God I wore this white shirt. Let me just put some mascara yeah. and lipstick on. So yes, there are always things that you can dress up a bit. But yeah, my favourite is a really good pair of jeans, either a black or a great blue that washes and wears really well yeah, nice. with a really nice white t-shirt. So during lockdown, did you actually change your style or was it still virtually you were wearing T-shirts, shirts when you were like doing Zoom meetings and everything? Or did your outfits change during lockdown? So I think like most people, I invested in a lot more shirts. (laughs) And a lot of that was because you ended up filming what the conversations you were having Mm -hmm. so normally you'd be sat in a meeting there's no one there with a camera is there you know so actually it doesn't matter if you're really not wearing lipstick you also then have this little tiny square in the corner which took me a while to figure out you can actually turn off because it was very distracting actually seeing all of the faces you pull when you talk oh god it's the worst looking at yourself the scale up of hearing your voice on the answer machine it's just like now i have to hear myself (laughs) and see myself myself. um but equally very aware that there was a lot of motivating people during the pandemic Mm. and so I think that showing that you're still loving fashion the industry that no matter what's going on is that you can exude this confidence and take people with you so I did the power of fashion yeah I did feel Mm. I had to dress up for those zoom calls I have to say at the end of the day felt they're exhausting zoom calls they They really are are. so the end of the day was very much where are my jeans and my t-shirt I just (laughs) need to kind of de-robe and put them on and sit down and there was a lot of that and actually I'm kind of loving the fact that I've got a lot of quite colourful shirts now in my wardrobe Mm. that I wouldn't have had pre-pandemic yes silver linings darling silver linings you know me glass half full exactly (laughs) always half full absolutely you so what have you previously worn to royal ascot what have i worn to royal ascot roxandra lynchick one of my go-to designers for a really fantastic dress and Mm. a beautiful use of colour and so works really well in the British season Mm -hmm. you know what you wear to dress up Mm -hmm. without feeling overdressed Mm -hmm. and I've also worn Mary Katransu so a really great print dress as well so yeah I've only been on two occasions and those were my two go-to perfect and what are your go-to occasion dress solutions like advice because there's always a dress code. So how do you look on things like that when you have a dress code? How do you simplify it? What are your solutions? 
My advice would be is never try and break a dress code because it's not fun for you. It's not fun for the people mm. you're with because you can't actually get into the bit you're supposed to be going to. <laughs> um, and it doesn't matter how charming you are and how good we think we all are at getting into events that we weren't invited <laughs> They're to. They're like, sorry, that's There just are not some things work. like the rural enclosure that you're never getting into yeah. if never. You know, you're not dressed properly. So never try and break it. And just think about clothes that just make you feel good. I do think for events like that, colour is amazing mm-hmm. because it really lifts your spirit. The pictures always look great and you can just have a bit of fun with it you know the great thing about occasion dressing in the British season is you probably get to dress up and it's you know, amazing isn't it we're fortunate in the world that we're in is there are a lot of events to go to but not in that sense it's like going to a wedding mm. yeah <laughs> you know as you get to wear a hat and you get to dress up and you know the girl from Chorley gets dressed up and goes to the races um, <laughs> and just enjoy it have fun with it and I think the same goes for guys we were talking to some friends the other day and my friend's husband absolutely loves racing and he has two hats that he wears Uh, he's on the lookout for another one so there was a big discussion around where he was going to go to he's got the suit the the, the official top hat partner is Oliver Brown on Lois Lynch Street and in German Street so he's we were talking about that actually yeah so I love the fact that guys also love the fact that they reach up and get the top hat down where it's been sat all year and they put it on and they get dressed up in their finery and they look amazing and, And you know, and have fun. And when do you ever get to dress like that? I know. And it is, you're absolutely right. The word fun is not to be understated or underestimated Mm. in that way of like, especially from a menswear perspective, just the amount of choice that you can work with a look. And it's all about the detachable collar or the waistcoat or the cuff link or the handkerchief and that just goes on and on and on so you could there's a lot exactly. of room for fun and jazzy socks I've got quite a tip really to say. jazzy, jazzy socks sock. yeah. and what do we mean by jazzy socks we don't mean gimmicky because I think when no. people say fun sometimes I think gimmicky we don't want gimmicky no no we just haven't, haven't got to... little piglets on sort of jumping yeah. over clouds and stuff like that no 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 I mean just old print or sort of polka Ooh, dot or nice. you know just stuff like that or stripes or a little gold thread going it or something oh, yeah that'd be nice <laughs> so some quick fire questions for you first one kicking off front row yes or no row Oh, just wondering as the fashion world changes, whether that traditional Mm. system of front row or no row. So the front row is pretty epic just from seeing where the decision makers are in the industry. The buyers, the editors, the the stylists, you know, the talent, the top tier customers that are really driving Mm. some businesses. So. It is incredible to sit and watch or to stand and watch and see that front row take place. Mm. But I do love the democratisation of fashion and actually the fantastic thing about going digital during the pandemic was that everybody had a front row seat. Everyone was front row, yeah. We did miss being in person though because you missed the chat and the gossip on whichever row you're on. also that energy and feeling, Abba Catwalk Show is that energy and the music and the ambiance and the electricity that's there. It is. That's part of human nature, isn't it? Is It's the energy yes. that's created when you have human beings in a room together with a shared experience. Mm. And the races are the same because mm-hmm. the races, of course, with no audience, doesn't have mm. the same energy and excitement yes. and the horse crossing the finish line first. You know, Sitting that at is, home in your top hat isn't quite the same. It's not quite the same. Anyway, these are supposed to be quick fire oh, questions. Yeah. Sorry. On to the next one. That's too much to Catwalk say. Catwalk or digital? Catwalk. Okay, behind the lens or in front of the camera? The only reason we ask you this is because we did a little bit of due diligence and heard that you were also modelling in Hong Kong. Is that right? (laughs) Uh, It wasn't. It was in Tokyo. But behind the lens, 
Because my downfall was I don't like having my picture taken. <laughs> <laughs> she was a massive model who hated having her picture taken. Loved the catwalk, hated photography. Brilliant. Okay, next one. Nightclub or private club? <gasps> Used to be nightclub, now private club. It's an age thing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Classy lady. In-store experience of shopping or online? In-store. Good. Wrap dress or slip dress? Slip dress. Disco or soul, Caroline? Oh, God, you're gonna, you can't make me choose. Oh, you have to, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, soul disco? Ah, good answer. <laughs> ah, brilliant. Block or patterns? My default would be block, but I do love a pattern. Perfect. Okay. So, I mean, I guess just over COVID, I think we all know, and you referenced it earlier, and keeping the positivity going. A very, very complex time for all industries. Indeed. But particularly for fashion. So what keeps you plugged in? Because obviously that time, you know, a lot has changed since then. And it's almost like a line in the sand, isn't it? It's sort of like yeah. a whole new age. And I really feel that for fashion. Yeah. What's keeping you animated and plugged in in a role that's become very, very complicated in many ways? I think it's the fact our industry is going through such significant change at the moment. The opportunity to really embrace innovation as we think about our mm. footprint on the planet. There'll be new business models, uh, new ways of designing, new ways of taking back clothes, respinning them, making them into new, new opportunities to regenerate the whole of the UK through circularity. So really interested in how we can play a part in that. And also the role of Web3, you know, is that mm. there is such a huge opportunity there, but it's like the Wild West. So trying to help how we figure that out to support the younger startup businesses or even just the mm. smaller independent businesses that don't have the resources of the big global fashion brands mm -hmm. is really yeah. exciting to me. Good answer. And just talking about the British designers and the young ones, especially now, how can we champion British designers in a way, but buying their clothing. But yeah. are there any other ways? Clothing isn't enough now. So what are the other ways that we can support British design and British designers? And we're talking about sustainability as well. So hmm. we're told to buy less and buy well. Well, the good news is, is that many of our brilliant creatives, British creatives, mm. are independent businesses and they are able to adapt to sustainability quicker. And the new mm -hmm. businesses coming through are doing it from just creating a sustainable fashion brand. And so if you want to buy well, responsibly, you buy British. I like Good that. Good answer. I mean, it, obviously, we were going to touch on sustainability. I think it's a wildly fascinating time as any industry evolves to be much more responsible about their impact yeah. on the planet. And it's almost as if I feel very much hand in hand with the beauty industry in that way of actually what has probably not deliberately, but carried quite a lot of sins over the years. Yeah. It could actually be part of the solution moving forward in that way of how fashion often leads other industries. Mm. And that whole circular economy, that kind of pre-loved mm. pieces, the hiring, borrowing, loaning kind of territory as well. But this sense of the supply chain and nobody's compromised along the way or the fabric choices yeah. we make or actually where it can be completely regenerative and circular. Yeah. And so, you know, just your thoughts around this minefield, but also this very exciting shift. That's there happening. is. I mean, we are not shying away from the fact that the fashion industry as a whole is, I think it's the third largest polluter on the planet. Mm -hmm. And 
The reason why I think I'm so engaged in the fashion industry today mm -hmm. is to see the opportunity for change mm -hmm. and to see the innovation that's happening in silos and an opportunity really in a role like the British Fashion Council, our organisation, to bring together those voices and actually create this movement of which there is already, but if we coordinate it, we're going to accelerate so much quicker. And in doing so, is to really think about the businesses and the industry we want to be for the future. Mm -hmm. And that not only means, of course, really challenging how much we're buying, mm -hmm. but we have an opportunity to influence consumers on just how they live their lives. It's the education piece, yes. isn't it? It's the education mm. piece, and it's showing the fact that if the fashion industry is responsible and acts responsibly and is engaging its consumers in a responsible way, is that that mind shift change will already be accelerated. We know the power of fashion to influence mm. people to buy product. Well, actually, if we can use the power of our brands and our industry to influence the way people are, are just choosing to switch to green energy, mm. think about the cars that they're driving, mm. you know, think about how many times they get on a plane, offset that mm. if they need to do it for business or if they're doing it for leisure, whatever it might be, not buying things, wearing it once, it going to landfill not buying 10 things, sending eight back, yes. which then have to be, can't necessarily be sold, which then ends up in waste. Yeah. And for brands, thinking about how much they're creating. So there isn't that mm. huge amount of stock that's going to discount or even worse, not even making it to the if shop you, If you do kind of crystal ball type of little glimpse mm. into the future, just very quickly, what would you see and feel that the industry might look like? How would that experience feel for a citizen, a consumer in five years time perhaps? Well, I think in the next five to 10 years, I would love for the UK to be leading in terms of circularity. So knowing that whether you live in London, Leeds or Glasgow, that the product that you're buying, uh, when you've finished it, has an opportunity to go into other lives. So mm. whether that is rental, it's not going to landfill, mm -hmm. it's not being incinerated, it's not being shipped off to Africa, mm -hmm. you know, because actually that then challenges their ecosystem, totally, yeah. that it, it goes into proper recycling and then can and really think about how it can be repurposed into new textiles or into other industries. Mm. And then you know when you're buying something that you're not buying irresponsibly, that it is going into full circularity mm. and will mm -hmm. come back again. Yeah, and we all play yeah. our part. It's had we? another yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So digital fashion is a digital fashion. VR is a rapidly growing industry with brands like Gucci and Balenciaga. They had virtual VR shows and also the metaverse, NFTs, that sort of thing. Mm. How... Will the BFC react to this new technology and this vast industry? And I know you've been taken on with being in COVID and lockdown. We went digital. But how do you see them working hand in hand alongside each other and evolving? Well, I think, again, is that the younger designers coming through will automatically mm. have this hardwired into their thinking. Yeah. As it stands at the moment is that already last year for the Fashion Awards, we did some tickets with NFTs. We did our first award in Roblox for a digital creator. And so yeah. we started to experiment. And that was the outcome of lots of conversations around what the opportunity is using the platforms that we have. Yeah. I think the next opportunity is, is that in the way that we wrap our arms around the creative talent that we have here from a design perspective 
Yes. What does that look like from a digital design perspective? How Mm -hmm. do we make that authentic to the values that we have as an Mm organisation? And how do we help blur some of the lines between digital and physical? And, you know, there's a great opportunity for knowledge share there. And then how do we support businesses to start here, to have IP based in the Mm -hmm. UK, that they can grow and develop and commercialise globally? That's really exciting, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. And then just the power of creating communities through Web3 is really exciting. So, you know, you were talking about before is how do you engage audiences for the young designers well actually we've got all the traditional routes of the print magazines you've got instagram you've got the marketing channels of the retailers but actually thinking about building community in web3 is really exciting as well yeah and you've always quite liked that techie part of how the industry that creativity can marry with the tech and actually bring something that's very progressive and modern to all audiences i mean again is that when we talk to the newer members of the team about how we were the first to live stream shows and you know and i remember when natalie massonet was our chair Mm. writing to the designers to encourage them to really Mm. think about the instagrammable moments of the show and you just it just feels so antiquated now doesn't it Um, how quickly uh, how fast it moves How fast it moves. But I think is that really helping businesses have access to the tools they need to to play in this world is where we sit. Give everyone the chance to express themselves in Mm, that way. Absolutely. So thinking about the most moving and memorable moment in your career with a fashion lens at the helm of the BFC in your role of chief executive, what's been the most poignant memory that you have? Obviously, is that the Queen at London Fashion Week is a one to remember for sure the most moving fashion show i think the one that had not only me but lots of other people in tears was christopher bailey's last show at burberry yes yes that was emotional it was and it was just because it was what was the components that really so i think knowing the fact it was christopher's last show Mm. his music has always played a big part in burberry shows still does today Mm. And the music has always been really emotive. So I think is that previous shows, I'd probably been on the verge of wobbly lip, whereas this was just, it was just no holding back. (laughs) And it was a celebration of pride as well at the time. So if you think of Cara Delevingne and the rainbow, I mean, just incredible. But it was also like a historical look through his career through Burberry and bringing out the old classics, but reworking them as well. It was just a culmination of the best of everything that he's done. It was. And it's just is that the tone is like he hit every note I think everyone was expecting to see. And yes, is that a music, of course, creates so much emotion, doesn't it? And I think, again, back to us all being in the room, that shared experience. And you felt that you were part of just this incredible moment in time and want to be remembered. So, yes, is that it was, I'm afraid, a running mascara moment. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew you needed waterproof mascara for London Fashion Week? Just to close, I mean, it's been so lovely to speak to you and thank you so much. But what's next for Caroline Rush? Well, every time I think I have probably sort of taken on the challenges and everything's running smoothly, there's a new challenge mm. to take on. So had the pandemic, we're still in the pandemic, as we know, is that there are many countries uh, that aren't able to travel that are shut down. And now we have this big challenge around industrial change. And I feel a responsibility to play my part in that. Good. Good. And no better lady to do it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Caroline, for joining us on Personal Thread. It's been a joy. Thank you so much. Good to talk forever. Thanks so much for listening. And please remember, if you enjoyed joining us, you can subscribe so you don't miss the next one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. Personal Threads is brought to you by Ascot Racecourse. 
The show is hosted by Scott Wimsett and Susan Bender-Whitfield, produced by Little Dot Studios and edited by Content is Queen.